Hey, this is Laura. And Stephen. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about the things that are on our mind. Today we're talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, how incredible beds are, and American Calvinism. Are you excited? I'm excited. Let's get into it. Hey, Stephen. Hola, Laura. ¿Cómo estás? Uh, pretty well. Pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? How oh. you feeling? How you doing? I, I am doing exquisite. It is Monday. Had a good, relaxing weekend, sort of. <laughs> but also, yeah, doing doing well. Doing well. I feel rested. Yeah. Ooh, that's 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 the holy grail of yeah. feelings. Right. What is your emotional affect? Um, I do feel rested. I don't feel fully super duper awake. It, it's like the rest. Ooh. The rest has is wanting to retain the restfulness. So it's like, what if we, what if we claw you back to bed? The compromise I have made with myself is this electric blanket. Mm, that's a solid compromise. I've found that sometimes the more I sleep, the more I want to sleep. One day I literally slept like 11 and a half hours, which I never do. And my body just said, you know, what would be cool. Another 11 hours. You could sleep another 11 and a half hours right now. It just wanted to pull me back into the bed. That sounds heavenly. It, it was, it was, and I didn't do it. I had to fight my way out of the bed, even though I'd slept so much. I, I love bed. <laughs> bed is beautiful. I don't know if you know this, but um, 12th, 13th, 14th century royals in, in England would habitually take, take their meetings in bed. Like, okay, so here's, here's like the, the royals general plan. You you spend the entire year basically going from noble castle to noble castle to noble castle. You you um, promenade around so that everyone remembers who's king, and they they set you up in fine stead with the best food and the comfiest beds. And um, it's it's standard really to take your meetings in bed. Like chairs aren't as big during this period of time as they are today. So whenever I'm in bed, I think to myself. Yes. What a kingly choice I've made. <laughs> I mean, Winston Churchill did it. Oh, did he? Yeah. He spent Dude. a lot of time in bed, just eating breakfast and just spending. I think, he, I think he did take some calls and meetings from bed. He was known for spending a lot of time in bed. I mean, he's a man after my own heart. Uh, there is something healing about being in bed. And I've, I've been working from bed for as long as there have been laptops. I, I remember like laptops... The, the ease of access came towards like the end of high school for me. And so I got a, a laptop for graduation and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do everything from bed now. This and everything. yeah, so dozens and hundreds of pages that I have written and submitted to teachers have been produced from bed. And I, I watch television bed. Like I, I do everything I can in bed. It's, it's a beautiful place. You know, I'm beginning to understand it more. Um, I had been running a lot and just waking up early. I was really, I was actually very proud of myself for quite some time that I was waking up every day at literally six o'clock, even without an alarm. Uh -huh. But that was regardless of what time I went to bed the night before. So even if I went to bed at 2 a.m., I'd be up at six. I went to bed at 12 a.m., I'd be up at six. And the sleep debt just got to me after a while. So now like I just sort of will, I will set my alarm 
to give me at least eight and a half to nine hours of sleep, sometimes more depending on how sleepy I feel. So I'm prioritizing sleep. I really understand the appeal of the bed. Like it, it, I run faster. I think mm-hmm. better. I'm less, uh, you know, like a, I'm less of a monster, less less edgy and irritable. Mm-hmm. So oh, I get it. Like the bed is, there's some healing magic to it, especially when you like invest in a good bed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rest is so very important. Mm-hmm. Like we live in a, America is a productivity cult. Oh yeah. We absolutely are. And, and I've totally drank the Kool-Aid on the productivity cult. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. I don't even know if it was voluntary. Um, if you're, if you're in the culture, you're like, oh, I have to be doing something all the time. And I, I still have to be doing something all the time because I am unhealed in that way. <laughs> but the compromise I make is doing a lot of the stuff I have to do in bed. And because we have laptops and mobile phones, it you can really do most of your work from home stuff in bed if oh, yeah. you're committed to the lifestyle. You really could even get a green screen up behind you, you know, just so it looks like you're somewhere. <laughs> at a, oh, yeah. Take a call from bed. Like, it doesn't matter. No one needs to know. I, I have taken a number of a number of uh, conference calls from bed since 2014. <laughs> uh, that's one thing that I have a hard time doing, taking taking conference calls from bed, just because I need to be a little bit tense for those. And I also like to have multiple screens up so I can look at them and I can take notes over here. But you know what? It's a matter of, pre- it's a matter of preference, honestly. Everyone's different. Some people like to take those calls from their car. Like, oh, I've, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen those maniacs who will jump onto a conference call on video while they're driving? Have you seen that? I haven't seen the video, but like my mom is the queen of taking conference calls while driving. Like she, she honestly just wants to drive and make calls. (laughs) She does. She's like driving is independence and calling is productivity. And that's how we live our lives. I could just be on the road all of the time making calls every single day. I I think she'd be happy like that. It's a good life. Yeah. As long as she's moving, she's happy. It's like a shark. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all a little bit sharks, though? Oh, you know? no, I just really envy, honestly, the the level of um, aggressive, unceasing productivity, even, even to like the late stage of her career. Because if I'm honest with myself, I don't really want to do anything. Like, I'm a mammal. One of the things that our DNA is constantly telling us is to save calories. <laughs> and the way that you do that is by not doing anything. True. And so, like, I look at, the cats in my house, I look at large cats in the wild and I'm like, you guys are just doing the right stuff. You kids got it figured out. You guys have it figured out. But human beings have always been like the the deviation from from the mammalian model, right? Because even, even like in prehistory when we're hunter-gathering, what's distinct about the human animal is we don't get tired as much. We're pursuit predators is what they call us. So uh, what made us so good at hunting was not that we could run fast, but that we could walk for very long distances and also track. So animals would run away from us, think that they got away because they're like, okay, I ran really fast for six miles. I can hang out now. Yeah, nothing is going to still be chasing me. Nothing would still be chasing me after Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. People are crazy. And the slow advance... Of the human walking and the human, like the brain to track and identify where uh, where these animals have gone um, with the ability to use a, like, we can be awake for 16 hours a day. That's 
that that's how often most mammals are asleep. We we just have this inverted circadian rhythm that makes us awake for longer and therefore able to do for longer. So we just seem like uh did you ever see the horror movie It Follows? Mm-mm, I haven't seen it. Okay, so it the the idea of it is that something that is going to kill you is always walking towards you. Oh. Like it's always walking towards I don't like you. That. And like I you don't can like drive that. away, you can you can uh like take a ship somewhere, you can you can like try to outrun it, but it will always without any interruption be walking toward you and eventually it'll catch you. And that's that's human beings yeah. for every other animal that we pursued. Yeah, I mean if you if you look at people in like the 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 activity of running, mm-hmm. I'm continuously impressed by how much people can run throughout the week, the month, the year, or even just in one sitting. I mean, people, I haven't done this yet. Mm-hmm. I've done half marathons, but I, people do marathons. Some of them, I know them who have done five marathons this year. Yes. Some people that I follow like are doing 40 miles, 40 miles a week. Some are doing 90 miles a week. No joke. And that mm-hmm. is that's an insane amount of miles. That's like Olympic level miles, but it is not uncommon like for people who run to run 20 to 30 miles, 40 miles mm-hmm. a week, which is just like, like you said, it's like that, that they're not running fast. They never impress me with how fast mm-hmm. they run, mm-hmm. but how long they will walk or run. I'm constantly impressed. Cause I, I ain't about that long, long distance, like mid, mid, like five, 10 K half marathon I can handle. But once it gets a little higher, I'm just, no, I just want to stop. But like, ask your ask yourself how long you can walk. A um, long time. Yeah, like a five long to six time. Hours. Right. Uh, when I'm when I'm on vacation, um, I'm I'm definitely a cultural tourist, so I'm like walking around from museum to museum, checking things out. I can do twenty miles a day, which is a lot. That's a lot of miles. Right. Like that's that's insane. But I don't even really feel it because it's just always at a walking pace. And that's that's someone who doesn't like condition themselves to run or walk. That's just a semi-athletic person's ability to walk. Well, but you you also I feel like you trained with your mom who can walk like forty. I might be exaggerating, but like forty miles in a day. I, I've seen her walk like a, like for ten to twelve hours nonstop. Oh yeah, easily, easily. Like it doesn't it doesn't phase her at all. Uh, as I long get, as she has something interesting to look at, you can get her to walk further. And I get tired, even though I can do 20 to 30 miles a week or so, like over, but running, but mm-hmm. I don't have the leg muscles for walking. She, she they are different. You're not wrong. Yeah. Like I'm impressed by people who can just walk for long, long, long periods of time because I can't, my leg muscles just get tired. <laughs> even though I can run, I can't walk as long, but yeah, like humans are, they are impressive in this sort of. They are predators that will continue to walk and pursuit run predators. pursuit for longer than the rest of nature thinks makes sense. And I kind of like that you've you've combined the 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 human desire to just do a bunch of stuff and hustle, but also do it from bed like a, like a cat would do. Honestly, if lions evolved and could speak and had thumbs, I expect they would do a lot of things from bed. Yeah, yeah, you and know? they would be wise to do it. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're all trying to seek balance here in this this land of human produced superstructures okay. that like go way beyond the natural limitations of anything. And so I bed.
I'm not in bed right now, but I'm thinking about bed. You are. You're like, what if I was resting? It's, what if I was resting? It's fun because you like coffee a lot, but also bed, bed coffee. What about bed coffee? Is that that too much? You know, I I've done it a couple of times, but it just makes me bed harder. Because <laughs> what coffee is there to do is encourage you to do whatever you're doing for as long as possible and as hard as possible. That mm-hmm. it, it gives you ambition. And it'll hit you wherever you are. What I like to do with coffee is I like to put myself in in front of my weekly planner and drink coffee to encourage action Mm -hmm. towards my my goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it works. But before, in previous iterations of self, I have taken my coffee from bed. And that just means that I'll be in bed until noon. (laughs) I might be doing stuff. Because you have the positive, like... The, the coffee makes you want to keep doing whatever you're doing. So if you're in bed, you'll just be in bed longer. If you're looking at your planner, you'll be planning stuff and working on that stuff longer. That totally makes sense. I think part of the reason why, I mean, to me, the bed is actually really appealing, but we also, we, we invested in a really good bed. We got one of those like purple mattresses that was like made by, this is going to sound silly out of context, but it was like made by a former scientist or astronaut or something and it's oh yeah so uh one of its advertising one of the things it's like the differentiating factor for the purple mattress we are not sponsored we would love to be so one of their distinguishing factors is it's designed by a rocket scientist right which is an it's an insane marketing yeah it sounds good though right it (laughs) sounds good to an american even though if they thought about it, they'd know that the skills for rocket science and bed production, it's a Venn diagram with no overlap. It's, it's two separate circles. It's totally like not at all the same thing. However, for whatever reason, this rocket scientist did develop a very good bed and it is the most comfortable bed I've ever I've ever laid in. I go to hotel beds. Mm-hmm. They're not the same. I wake up, my, my back feels weird. God forbid I have to do like a blow up mattress. I just, I wake up five times throughout the night. This bed, I'm just like out and I just sleep for like nine hours. So it spoiled me for other beds, honestly. And that's probably why I like, I'm not really a bed guy. Like I, I wake You're up. You're not a bed guy. I'm not. I there like, are bed guys. I'm there, not that guy. There are guys who like, you know what? I like to just hang on bed or the Winston Churchill types where they just kind of, they, they rest, they recline. No, I like to get up and I like to get out and I like to start doing my stuff. But this bed makes me want to be a bed guy. It makes me way more of a bed guy than I've ever been, honestly. <laughs> so it's, anyway, again, not sponsored by Purple, but they are they do an amazing mattress and I really like it. Like it's changed my perspective on beds and it's made me prioritize, well, I've made me prioritize rest a lot more, which is hard in this, this hustle culture of America, you know, to like prioritize rest is actually kind of counterculture. Mm. Like it, for some people, they think it's lazy. They're like, why are you resting no do more i'm like yes i am i'm resting so that i can do way more in two weeks instead of do a little more for a week and then burn out for a month you know yeah you know that calvinism it just it warped us like a a doll's head in a microwave calvinism is a form of protestantism that was really really popular in america and it says that productivity will bring you closer to god and we as a culture just ran with it and even though we aren't necessarily a religious culture now, that that religious idea is so so completely absorbed into secular American culture that it's inescapable. I think it's the foundation of those um, prosperity principle televangelists who are like, if if God's favor is communicated to you through the arrival of money, 
like if you have a lot of money, you have God's favor. And that's the prosperity principle. It's, I think, probably one of the most corruptive ideas in American religion. But it's there. And it's really fun because it's usually attached to Christianity. And Christianity is like, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. <laughs> like that's Jesus. Yeah. But prosperity principle is like, if you rich, God love you. If you know rich, God do not love you. Ooh. Make God love you more than you be rich. Ooh, I don't like that. I, I don't. I think it's a uniquely American perspective because it's that marriage of Christianity and capitalism. But no, it is, it has negatively impacted many lives. And I would say bad, probably. Oh, yeah, not, not, not ideal, I would definitely say. And for those of you thinking that this is related to Calvin and Hobbes in any way, it is not. John Calvin, philosopher from... Early modern times. Early yeah. modern times. Thank you. For me, ancient. Anything before my birth is ancient time. <laughs> but um, I think he's second great awakening. Oh, Maybe even first great awakening. That's anyway, he's one of ago. the... Say what? That's actually not that long ago. Yeah. No, no, right? Like a lot of the stuff, a lot of Americanism is very recent. Yeah. If, if looked at through the, the general history lens, like 200 years ago is where we start really getting our groove on the 1820s is when we really start looking like who we're going to become and that's the second great awakening that's that's when all of these new protestant religions showed up it's when mormonism showed up it's when the the utopian society guys show up the ones who like went far west to build their little utopian societies your oneidas your shakers your quakers your candlestick makers <laughs> and and that's it's an interesting time in history like we all Probably we all learned about it in school. Uh, I went to public school and I learned about it. So probably you did too. I probably did. Honestly, I know um, Calvin and also Thomas Hobbes did come up, which I think it's, I think it's fun that Bill Watterson did like take those names mm -hmm. and give, give that to the names of his iconic Calvin and Hobbes characters. Because honestly, they're pretty philosophical characters. You know, they, they, they think a lot about the world and they consider things and I love Bill Watterson on Calvin and Hobbes mm -hmm. so much. And I want to talk about very briefly, because I don't know too much about what he's doing with it. Bill Watterson made like the perfect comic mm -hmm. ever uh, and disappeared for 20 years as you do. You know, he's actually maintained a really good reputation because he hasn't been on social media. He just kind of made this beautiful thing and left. And we know nothing about his opinions. And I think that's wonderful. But very recently uh, he came back, crawled out of his little, his little private cave that he lives in somewhere mm -hmm. and uh, announced he's making something new. And I'm incredibly mm -hmm. excited. I think it's, um, I don't quite know what the new property is, but anything Bill Watterson does, I am, I'm here for it. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's kind of like how Ken Levine is making something again, maybe in the Bioshock universe. We yeah. don't know. We heard that he started doing it a number of years ago and we don't know when it's coming yeah. out, but it's, no it's going to be Ken Levine. Who, who did the Bioshock series, the first one and the third one. So Bioshock regular, originale, mm -hmm. and Bioshock infinite, deeply philosophical works. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is a man who cares about putting his ideas and his creativity together. Oh, yeah. So we will, we will wait for Watterson, for Levine, whatever, whatever you want, guys. We trust you. I really like that you mentioned Levine because, to be honest, they, they feel similar to me. Like they made, they both made these like deeply philosophical, like really, 
really good characters, mm-hmm. really solid storytelling, mm-hmm. and they focus on quality. And then they're like, I'm, I'm disappearing and I'm going off to work on something else. And I, I'm super jazzed to see what Ken Levine does, does next. I know it's in production. Mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to be big, um, but now he's got his own studio. So what is that going to look like? You know? Right. Uh, I mean, I've, I've got the time to wait. And, and the money to contribute. Oh, yeah. You do your thing. I don't care how many years it takes. Like the first the first uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie took 10 years to write, but look at it. Which is hilarious because it, it was, I mean, it's, it's a movie based on a ride at Disneyland, but it was amazing. It was amazing. It created a phenomenon. Like we went from zero pirates in the cultural zeitgeist <laughs> to all of the pirates in the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah, and now now all you have to do is like hum like the very beginning of the Pirates of the Caribbean song, and now it's in your head. Like everyone knows mm-hmm. it. Like it's just there. Like, and Johnny Depp forever will be like, well, his other other things that he, he's not for now. His, the um, complexity of one's personal life, <laughs> right? But uh, he'll forever be known acting wise as Jack Sparrow. And honestly, I imagine he's probably a little bit like I'd like to do some anything else besides Jack Sparrow types at this point. But like, what a legacy, you know, like to be Jack Sparrow. That's a pretty solid legacy. If if your goal in being a performer is to be immortalized, which maybe it is, like that's that's the whole like romance of the silver screen, right? You never die. You will be you will be crystallized for eternity, for as long as we have these files, as certain characters in certain contexts in certain stories. Yeah. And there's there's a magical quality to that. And if you get into a Disney property or uh, any children's property, um, because they are children's films, like Marvel is children's films. Oh, totally. Pirates of the Caribbean, children's films. DC, we're not sure. Uh, DC DC is a little grittier. DC is like, "Mm, we like an R rating and a a dark color filter, which I like. I I love DC properties. Totally. Always do. Uh, But if you get into children's media, you will literally live forever. Yeah. Because we'll keep giving children these movies and they'll keep identifying you with a character and in that way you are timeless. You know, A. a. Milne also had kind of a similar experience with, he's the, the writer of Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. which recently has gone into public domain and boy, are, are people doing stuff with it. Oh my gosh. I know for a fact that A. a. Milne, uh, who wrote Winnie the Pooh, actually was really annoyed that his deeper works, his deeper writings, like his adult writings, weren't really what he became known for. He became known for writing about like poems about a silly cartoon mm. bear and an owl and a kid who hangs out with this owl and this rabbit and this bear and this this piglet. And he's like, but what about my more serious works? And I was like, dude, people are going to love what they're going to love about what you do. And kids' properties, if you, re- if you make something like good enough, it's going to be loved forever. Right, like that's the Star Wars phenomenon, yeah. right? Oh yeah. We we think about because Star Wars fans have aged into adulthood, we're like, oh, it's a it's an all ages property. One hundred percent, it's a children's movie, and that's why people who saw it when they were children really connect to it. But uh, the ones you watch as an adult, you're you're less connected to, because it's not for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the disappointment in a lot of the new Disney Star Wars properties. Because they're like, oh, this isn't as I remember it. And it's like, first of all, yes, you are correct because different people are producing it. But more probably, your brain isn't as young. Mm-hmm. And so it's less enchanted by the simplicity of this, this hero's journey. Yeah. 
I like children's media. I, I continue to like it, maybe because I, I have a, a special place in my heart for something that can be both narratively rich and also quite simple mm-hmm. and pretty wholesome. Like there's, it, there's this like quadrants, like entertainment quadrants that uh, everyone's always trying to hit the four quadrants. And something that can hit the four quadrants, it's not necessarily going to be the best product, but it's still impressive uh, mass appeal. Oh, totally. And I think the complaint that people have really is they think it's that Star Wars has changed or that these child uh, movies and TV shows that have developed developed later based on what they watched as a kid have changed. But maybe they're the ones who've changed. You know, we all do. Yeah. And like, that's OK. But like, it's not the first thing that someone's going to think is mm-hmm. that oh, maybe I'm different. Maybe I just received this differently because I have more of a critical eye. I know like as I've, it shows that I've watched as a kid, mm-hmm. I relate with the the kids, the teenagers a lot mm-hmm. more. As I've gotten older, I start to, I find myself starting to relate with shows that I watched um, in the past. Now watching them in the present, I'll relate more with the parents. I'm like, yeah, you're right. They shouldn't go walk, walk across the street without looking both ways. Or like, why are they not packing a sandwich? They're going on a two-day trip. Like, where where they're not preparing properly right and you maybe you've started to notice this but really Mm -hmm. popular shows will have multiple generations involved Mm -hmm. so that it can appeal to multiple demographics so they'll have Mm -hmm. yeah like they'll have the teenagers they'll have the adults and they'll have the grandparents a really successful show will get you in all of these Mm -hmm. age groups um and that's so that everyone can have someone to identify with oh yeah and the interaction of these generations, I think, leads to really interesting relational dynamics, too. So, like, big fan. Don't oh, mind totally. it at all. I, I like this topic. Um, one thing I really like that Disney does with mm. that, it's not just that they introduce characters from all these different generations. They also introduce a lot of jokes that are funny to kids because they mm-hmm. sound silly because kids are like, oh, yeah. that's that sounds funny. I laugh at it. But the adults, told, like, it's, a, it's like an adult joke. Mm-hmm. And the adults get it and go, oh. I'm glad my kids don't get that, but I'm glad I got something for me in this in this uh, in this Disney movie too. Oh yeah, and Disney in particular is really excellent at this, at having multiple ages represented in their writing. So like there will be very highbrow jokes and lowbrow jokes and midbrow jokes. You get all the brows. Oh yeah, that that's ideal. My favorite example of an extremely intelligent joke in Disney is the Hercules joke, where it's. Two words. I am retired. Oh yeah, when Phil when Phil says he's retired. Yeah, and then and then Hercules like counts with his fingers, and it's it's actually a very smart joke because in Greek that would be two words. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I so really so Disney one. Disney really um, plays to an entire audience, and I think a lot of that has to do with the people that they hire. If you have a theater degree or a theater background, you are you are more readily considered by the Disney Entertainment Company. Oh yeah, and. Even though the general perspective is that theater degrees have no value, they have enormous value in the entertainment industry. Like, this is a discipline that you are trained in, and it is very serious, even though in America we don't associate uh, entertainment with training. We, we have a very democratic entertainment industry where, like, a lot of people don't even, like, graduate high school because yeah. all we care about is if, if people respond to you as an entertainer. But the training still does does you a great service because you'll make these great jokes like I am retired exactly and I, I can totally back that up because I've, I've seen the actual job postings mm-hmm. or positions at Disney corporate that will act that actually say requirements 
BA in theater acting specifically. Yeah. Like, I feel like entertainment companies say you need this in order to work with us, like high end, very prestigious entertainment companies that require theater degrees. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, we have both worked for Disney. Mm -hmm. So we're intimate. We have intimate knowledge of their hiring practices. Entertainment is an interesting field that it way. Is. It is. I feel like we talked about a lot of good stuff. We talked about entertainment. We talked about a couple of different things. We talked about Calvinism a bit. Calvin and Hobbes. Calvinism you know? and the yeah. glory of beds. The glory of beds. This was not an ad for a purple bed, even though it didn't sound like it was. But it is philosophically an ad for getting more rest. Yeah. Like rest. I know we don't think to do it and we 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 belittle ourselves for mm -hmm. doing it but rest is good for you especially if you want to do more later on rest now you oh know? yeah rest, rest especially if you feel a little thready rest today tomorrow you'll do better you'll you'll appreciate it the next week so take your time to rest if you feel like you totally need. the internet told me this the other day instead of thinking have i done enough to deserve rest think to yourself have i rested enough to produce my best work Ooh, yes that is absolutely true. And I love that. Me too. It has been great talking to you, Stephen. You as well, Laura. Yeah, I will catch you at the next lunch break. Oh, you know I'll be here. Bell's on. All right. Fantastic. Bye. Bye. This has been Stephen. And Laura. Thanks for tuning in to Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all things large and small. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and look out for polls and Q&As in future. We'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts and reactions with us on Spotify and on social media. Catch you next lunch break.